This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Why not fully protect yourself? You're never going to go ultra thin. Like, it depends if you're in it for enjoyment or Just protection. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember from that game mainly is watching Dion Dublin headbutt Robbie Savage. <laughs> And I've got this sort of chub rub situation going on between my thighs. <laughs> but to be fair, if it's at your eye level, it's only ever going to be my glory hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to that Peter Crouch podcast with me, Peter Crouch. Uh, as usual, uh, I'm joined by Chris Stark and Statman Dave. Uh, we're in the pub. Are we okay? I'm good. You good, Statman? Yeah, no. I'm having a great time. I mentioned before, five aside, I'm getting a bit older. Bit of pain below the knee joint. Crouch was talking through how I can massage it. So hopefully I can work on that in the off season. Yeah, struggling. How are you going? Are you pancaking? I'm okay. Yeah, I've I've discussed with you. I've been um, I've just been off the fitness thing of of late, as you know. And then I've been trying to get a tiny bit fitter. I always feel better. And we've had discussions about this, Pete. Um, sometimes I feel like you put me to one side and just say, "Look, you need to be a bit, a little bit fitter." Do you know what I mean? You do motivate me a bit. I do think that once you we slip out of it, it's then very hard to get back into it. When you're into it, it's all you want to do. You just want to keep on top of it. It's good for your mental health as well as your physical health. And I've got this sort of chub rub situation going on between my thighs. <laughs> And it's uh, is this a situation? Obviously, I'm not not been across it. That, I've never you? had chub rub. No, Mate, look at the what? gap between your thighs. <laughs> Basically, my any... two thighs, whenever I attempt any exercise, they, are, they are rub. rubbing together. Fuck. Right? Sounds pretty painful. So if you don't do exercise for a while, it's a bit like playing a guitar for the first time where your fingers need to get used to the strings, <laughs> you know? So my thighs are rubbing together. I've only got little legs. So um, I'm in this horrendous situation where even being in the pub sat down like this is painful. Really? You'll never expect... I'll be amazed no, if you I'm, ever get chub rub. I'm miles away from it, yeah. <laughs> It'll never happen. <laughs> uh, uh. But I am thinking... And I don't know if it's just my um, fat thighs that are making me think this. <laughs> Should I retire from football? <gasps> I, oh, what I a sad day. That yeah. can't, can't happen. What, the, what would we do? Have you no know, pancakes? But you came to this point in your career where you went, look, I've got to call it. And I don't know if I just... I'm not playing enough football. Every time I play football, I'm getting really injured. It takes days sometimes weeks to recover. That's not down to the shin pads. That's down to physical fitness. Just physical fitness and, and age. I mean, I'm not far off retirement age for what you were. What, what age did you I was retire? 38 when I retired. But so, that was late for a footballer. Yeah, so I'm at, I'm at, I've am just turned 36, just. Right, so yeah, you're in the twilight zone then. So I just wonder, and I'm seeing some other great footballers retiring at the moment, Gareth Bale, and, mm. and I think I just am now questioning... Mm. Is it my time? You know, maybe you could bring the family onto the pitch. Um, you know, I don't know where you normally play, but, it's, you know, goals in Maidenhead or something. Mm. And uh, maybe you get the family down, just see you play for the last time. And then just walk off and maybe announce it on Twitter. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the big things, though, Chris, in this, you know, the short time before you retire, we've probably got to sort the chub rub situation out. Vaseline could work. 
What about spraying A's? As a sort of lubricant, As a lubricant for, my for the thighs. Yeah, we've um, we've not really done much with spraying A since we came up with it a while it's ago. A tough have one, we? isn't it, mate? It's a tough one. I, I put it out there. Talks are in, are in progress. It's, yeah. just, it's hard to get a product out there these days, especially well, one as good as that. We're really discovering that. I mean, we made spraying A's, then Heinz uh, shit housed us, didn't they? Brought out a salad friggin' spray. Or yeah. <laughs> We were tagged in it thousands of times because it was basically spraying A's. But we should look into it again. But if there are ideas and things that we've said which you don't feel that we've kind of got across the line yet, please do let us know and we should we should give it a, a sort of new renewed effort. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll follow them up. We'll follow them up. And if there's anything that you'd like to create maybe or, or, or advise us on a chub rub situation and mm. uh, help Chris out. Yeah, um, but I think you're right, Crouchy. I think looking at, ahead to the season, I am wondering in the weeks ahead if I should retire from football, what that will look like and um, and how we would deal with it on this podcast because there must be other people listening right now that are considering retirement as well. Yeah, you know what I'd like to do when you officially retire is just get it on that yellow bar on Smart Sports or something like that. You know, Chris Stark has decided to <laughs> hang his shin pads up. Do you yeah, know what I want? For, for one last I time. I want a notification on every phone, you know, through uh, the sports apps. Just get it out there. Little things run by you just whilst we're talking about innovation in football. I, as you know, go to a few Maidenhead games. I don't get to as many Watford games as I would like at the moment, but Maidenhead are the, like, it's pretty much down my road. So I go to quite a few games. So I feel quite invested. Now, the thing is, what used to happen at Maidenhead when they were in the league below was you could have a beer whilst you were watching the football. Mm, like Dallas Hamlet, very similar. Which was amazing. Um, but now the National League, what they've done is they've kind of built fences in front of the bars which are on the side of the pitch to stop you um, obviously being able to see the football and have a beer at the same time because them's the rules. There's literally just a fence that's been built to separate people and a steward on the end to it's make sure no one... absolutely bonkers with the sense of like you need money in that level of football, right? Like grassroots football is massively underfunded. You know, National League football is funded to a point but you're stopping one of the biggest things that people are going to do at football is have a beer. Mm. And I imagine the games are made in there. There's not anyone that's getting too rowdy. No, no flares. How have no. you dealt with it? And here's the innovation. So, stood in the corner bar at Maidenhead Football Club, York just came Road. To you. Come right? to you. It just came to me. I was stuck behind this fence and I'm thinking, oh, fuck's sake, like, why can't I just drill a hole in this fence? That was my first thought. And then I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a bit like the Shawshank Redemption. I'm going to bring a little thing along, like a spoon or something, because I can get that into the ground. Can't bring a knife in, obviously, right? So I'm going to bring a spoon. I don't think you can bring a screwdriver. <laughs> like, or a drill. A drill. <laughs> but I'm going to bring a spoon, right? And I'm going to, uh, under the bit where it says no drinks allowed outside the bar area, there's like there's a sign, right? So I'm going to lift that up every time, like just turn to the side. I'm just going to spoon away at the fence a bit until a <laughs> hole is formed. Yeah. So you're making a, a glory hole for so, the football. Yeah, a glory hole to be able to... And then that's fine because I can stand by the fence, right? And I can have a pint and I can still see out. <laughs> Through the glory <laughs> Check, hole. Checkmate, right? Until they block it up. And then I thought, well, that's the problem. I'm going to spoon away at this fence and then at some point... <laughs> At some point, they're going to probably, you're right, Dave, think it's a glory hole. <laughs> Shut course, it down. We've got to stop this right now. Of course, now. that's what it would be. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> There's a hole it, in a fence, it's a glory <laughs> hole. But to be fair, if it's at your eye level, it's only ever going to be my glory <laughs> hole. <laughs> You'll get banned, Crouchy, from Maidenhead, you will. <laughs> no, I don't want to be associated to it. I'll, I'll be honest, I thought the innovation was going to be slightly better. Oh, it is, it is oh, better. Oh, it is yeah. better. So I stood there, 15 minutes at halftime, trying to work out this problem, then it came to me. Periscope. <laughs> right. 
I've ordered myself <laughs> a periscope. And because not many people use periscopes in everyday life. I don't know how to, I suppose they wouldn't know how to combat that. So what they, so it's a kid's one. So yeah. it's a sort of toy periscope. I, it's genius because I don't think they can take it off me. Um, by the time this podcast goes out, I will have experimented with this periscope. So I feel safe saying it now because I don't want anyone, <laughs> any steward looking out for me. But my plan at the time of recording this is I'm taking a periscope into York Road and then I'm going to be behind the fence with a beer in hand. I'm going to up periscope. <laughs> and on the other end, you're just going to see, see it at the top of a periscope like a submarine. I'd like you to be, while you do, I'd like you to be, like you to be dressed as a submarine. <laughs> do you know, that's how to get it in the ground. If I if they take it off me at the start, dress. I'll dress as a submarine and bring oh. it in. And then I'm thinking if this is successful and I've somehow beaten the system with this, I'm going to be launching a range of periscopes <laughs> from that Peter Crouch podcast website mm. themed with your favourite football team, uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. I need a decent name for them though. Decent brand of periscope. What's mm. the famous Perry? Katie Perry. <laughs> Ideally a footballer. <laughs> Perry Groves. That's, that's yeah, it's your mate now, isn't it, Katie Perry? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, uh, St. Patrick's Day, I was in a pub in Windsor and... Uh, Weirdly enough, Orlando Bloom stood up. There was an Irish band on. And he stood up and in this quite old Irish voice uh, started singing this song about... It was almost like... He'd, I, the only way I can describe it is it like he'd been at sea for 20 years or something and was returning home to his wife. And, yeah, he's Pirates of the Caribbean. He was, he was for yeah, ages, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> Might be where he learned it. It's a very odd moment. I put this video up on social of Orlando Bloom singing this random pub. I was pissed, but it was definitely him. And um, and then sure enough, she's now seen... I, I didn't tag her in, but someone sent her the video and she's seen it and then she's written above it, what a ledge. So many questions here, right? Um, number one, why is Orlando Bloom, Bloom in that boozer? We'll never uh, know. Number two, why is Katy Perry using the word like ledge? Yeah. And I don't um, know. I've got an Orlando Bloom story myself. I was, I was going to ask if you knew him so that we could sort of find out what, why the fuck he was there. No, well, I, I don't know him, but I once bumped into him at Urinal. And um, this sounds like a lie, but I was in quite a trendy place. And I was having a, you know, piss. <laughs> and uh, I had the urinal. And uh, I just turned around and Orlando Bloom was there. And I went, Orlando Bloom. And he had a dog in his hand. Like... Not, it's not a euphemism for his, for his penis. He literally had like a little sausage dog whilst holding his sausage. How did he unzip himself? Or did the dog... I, I didn't get that. He's like he magically just appeared. He had a dog and he was going to the toilet. And I said, all right, mate. And he said, yeah, you okay? And I said, great. And then that was it. Did anyone else see Orlando in the pub? No, it was me and him. Just... There wasn't a pub, it was like a trendy kind of bar, but there was lots of different areas uh, to this bar. There was lots of private little bits and pieces. This is what he does. He appears. And I understand... When you least expect him. Just let us know if you've seen Orlando Bloom in, in some sort of uh, unexpected situation, because that's two of us around the table. Have you, Dave? Not yet. No, I'm probably going to go down to the pisser in a sec. Yeah. renovated and then he's just going to appear never yeah. know do you and then it'll, it'll just disappear and it'll be one of those moments but we should get him on the podcast because he needs to explain all these no, we weird... can. I, mean, I think if his missus using words like ledge it feels like it's sort of like in our in our realm so I, I was saying because he's English he probably uses those words 
So that makes her use them. Yeah, that's what that's what I actually think it is. Because he was a bit of a ledge, you know, St. Patrick's Night, and he's decided to step up with a band and sounds good. That's great. Like, which is exactly what we would do in that situation mm. as well. Um, all right. Well, should we get on with today's episode? Yeah, today's episode, guys, it's about uh the derbies. I played in some big derbies, um, and uh, you know, there's been some some of the best derbies. Like there's derbies that I want to go to, like like Boca Juniors River Plate, mm. is, that's one that's on my radar. I've never been to the um, Glasgow Derby, Celtic Rangers. That's something that I've always wanted to do. Big derbies in other countries. I haven't even done El Clasico. Been to Bernabeu, been to Barcelona to watch matches, but never to watch the, the big one. So they're things that are really on my bucket list. And I said when I retired, I'd do them. At the moment, I'm too busy dicking around here with you. Um, so I've managed it. What was the first derby that you played in? Oh, well, there'd be one at QPR, but it was it might have been a QPR Fulham that I might have played in. I think the first, my first experience of a proper derby was Aston Villa, Birmingham. And Birmingham City had just been promoted. And playing in that game, I remember I was on the bench and I came on and the atmosphere was electric. Those two games in that season were amazing. Do you remember the like the moment of the game that you came on, what the score was? All I remember from that game mainly is be warming up on the sideline and watching Dion Dublin headbutt Robbie Savage. <laughs> and I and Dion's a great guy. He's still our mate. Yeah, you know, top lad. We all love him, right? And it was so out of character. And Savage just had, had, had riled him up that much. And I, I, I was so close to it. And I, I was going, <laughs> no, he's going he's gonna to headbutt him. And you could see it coming. And he just went, bang, planted the, the nut on Robbie Savage. And I was like, it was just a cauldron at Villa Park. And I didn't realise how much hatred there was between Villa and Birmingham City until I was in that game. And watching that happen, um, and it was the, the game where, well, the two games where Peter Enkelman had a bit of a howler in, in both. The one back at St Andrews as well. Who was the manager? David O'Leary. Uh, and had he instructed the head part? No, no, no. That was entirely Dion's plan, I think. <laughs> but you know what? You know what that's like. In that time, he was winding people up, and he was, and, and it was working. It was like I remember Jeff Horsfield, um, Jeff Kenner. There was, um, you know, and Robbie Savage was in that midfield, like winding our midfield up, and it was tackles were crunching in, and things were close to spilling over. But then you know, Dion, Dion headbutted him, and then I remember going back to. Birmingham City and it was the one where Olaf Melberg threw, threw the ball back to Peter Enkelman and he's lifted his foot up to control it I don't know if you've ever seen this um, and the ball goes under his under his uh, yeah. foot and, and goes into the back of the net and it was given because apparently there was a if he'd have just let it go in it would have been it, fine it would have no gone goal yeah, yeah it would have been a goal kick yeah but the fact that he lifted his foot up and it barely touched his foot it went down as a Peter Enkelman no goal that would be a mad VAR wouldn't it that would be a mad one that we haven't had yet on VAR yeah. to just see that I know of anyway that the studs have made contact with a I mean I, I, I even I've seen it like for probably three four years after that right it was kept getting replayed kept getting replayed and I, I still I'm unsure whether he's <laughs> he actually touched that but you know because we're you know good teammates we we all rallied round him and, and, and called him Polo Foot for the rest of the season <laughs> Because there's a hole in it, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, <clears throat> that was his nickname for the whole year. Wanky. Has he made a mistake because of the nature of the game and the crowd that's behind him? Because at that point, you've got the away fans behind you, haven't, haven't you? Well, what Ferocious. I'm looking at, yeah, what like, I'm looking at there is 
Leon Dublin hasn't headbutted anyone on a football pitch other than, <laughs> other than in that kind of cauldron of hate. Peter Enkelman hasn't made a mistake like that ever other than in those games because they were like so aggressive, like unbelievably aggressive, but great to play in. And I, I, you're going to tell me I played three minutes or something. You played on. a single minute apparently <laughs> what we've got in the game. A single minute after the headbutt. But I had the best view in the house. Had the best view in the house of the headbutt. The other thing there is like, do you guys remember when Jack Grealish got attacked by the Birmingham yeah. yeah. Same game, yeah. The same derby. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I don't think, unless you're involved in that derby, you wouldn't class it as like, as being mm. one of the big ones. But having been there and being involved in them, they're massive. They're huge for the city and for, for the fans. But for, like the atmosphere was just electric. It was a great one to play in. Was there any like, you know, when you're playing youth level, you play like Tottenham Arsenal. Was there any added spice in those games? Yeah, definitely, Dave. It's a good question because I, yeah, the North London derby, I remember like we got to the FA Premier League final and it was the first game that was ever shown on Sky Sports that I'd appeared in. Um, the first leg wasn't, and we lost the first leg 2-0 at White Hart Lane. And the second leg was, it was at Highbury. And we won 1-0 and I scored. And it was like the first time I'd ever appeared on telly. And my mum still got it off, like, VHS. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, you know, you don't know, do you? Like, this could be my only time I appear on telly playing yeah. football. At that time, I was like, this is my greatest moment. We still lost the tie over two legs, but... <laughs> But we won, we won that one one nil. And, but there was an added spice to it. To answer your question, whenever we went to London Colney, um, or they came to Chigwell Spurs Lodge to play, it was more people watched. Um, you know, the, the, the owner. I remember Alan Sugar watching one of the games. Yeah, because you would. How would it work with crowds and things like that? Because there was probably added interest, but obviously not the access that. No, so no, no. So have... like mums and dads, like exactly. families, uncles, but even would with come. family members who weren't necessarily partisan fans really were they did they get involved in that like what caused that extra drama if it wasn't the fans in the stadium it's something about seeing the two kits together like <laughs> honestly yeah. it is you know what I mean if you see you know Man United and Liverpool on a pitch mm. no matter where you are right it's more interesting yeah. um, if you see you know Watford Luton for instance like there's a bit of needle to it and there always would be and I think you need to if you've got any hopes of being a professional footballer, you need to sort of learn that needle and what it's about and the history of it. Um, and every derby I went into, like I, I wanted to understand how much hatred was there and why there was that much hatred. Because often there's a reason, um, certainly with the Portsmouth of Southampton. So you'd research a bit of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you try and understand like what what it is. And obviously the, the Everton-Liverpool situation... Um, you know, it runs deep um, and, and, and runs, you know, when Everton had the, the best team at that time and, and not being able to go into Europe. And like, when you hear it explained to you, you can understand why it runs so deep. Mm. And the same with, with Southampton, Portsmouth is, you know, Southampton are from, in Portsmouth's eyes, the scummers and um, Portsmouth are, are the skates. Um, and that kind of derogatory term derives from a huge kind of historical thing that happened and um, when you play in that derby you understand why and that's been passed down from the people that suffered in that situation or allegedly suffered in that situation and obviously there's two sides to every story but being involved in it as a footballer it's good to understand why that passion is there I think that's really important to, like, like you're saying, that you're getting an extra bit of motivation there. So like the first time that you played a full 90 minutes in a derby was for Southampton against Portsmouth. Mm. FA Cup, fourth round. 
2004-2005 season. Do you remember what happened that afternoon? I certainly do, yeah. Well, that was a special a special day for me. You know, in the FA Cup, you know, I'd already played for Portsmouth. I'm back at Southampton and it was the last minute and, you know, Harry Redknapp, myself, Nigel Quasi were players that had played for Portsmouth before and that's a difficult divide. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Southampton fans didn't take to me at all um, at first because of the rivalry and I played for Portsmouth. Um, and we were playing in that game. So there's so many subplots. The fact that Harry Redknapp managed Portsmouth and now he's managing Southampton. Um, if we're, we're drawing the game up to the 90th minute and there's a penalty and, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, that no one wanted to go back to Fratton Park. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I remember looking over and Harry, Harry saying... Um, to me when I grabbed the ball no let someone else take it and uh, and then me sticking it away and that was a great moment for me personally in a, in a derby and probably my biggest moment up to, to that day of, of playing in a derby what was it like in terms of the emotion around that you've just scored the winner like me and Chris have probably we've celebrated that on the other side where mm. our teams have gone on to win what's it like as a player well I think when you win a game in the last minute no matter what game it is it's the biggest buzz ever mm. To do it against the biggest rivals, um, you know, and the relief of, uh, certainly from Harry's side, of not going back to Fratton Park. The whole situation of uh, of winning against your local rivals in that manner in the FA Cups, so that means, you know, they go out, we go through. Um, it's a, yeah, of course, it's a, it's a big moment. Yeah. It's crazy how it works, isn't it? And like, how much does it filter from the manager? So how much does the manager influence things on those derby days or do they tend to, in your experience, treat it as a normal game? I, I think the, a lot a lot of the time the manager, I think certainly my day, I think things have probably changed slightly now, a little bit. There's so many players that maybe don't understand. There's less local players, if you know what I mean, to tell you what it's all about. The Premier League's changed a lot sort of over the years. You know, it's evolved to, to, to the point where I don't know. I think we have a better standard, but I think there's less hatred between yeah. not the fans are the same, but the players. I think it's, I don't know. It feels more you get on with, like, when we're in the tunnel and I'm playing a derby, we'd, we'd have a chat. See, that before. should be illegal. Yeah, that is disgusting. <laughs> that, like, Chris, that takes the piss, right? Disgusting. It's absolutely yeah. disgusting. What do you think? I don't know. I don't like it at all. Yeah. I really don't like it. I like the fact that you, when you go out there, you, and I think fans want to see that. I think it's a show, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a game of football, but it should mean as much to the fans as it does the players. I think even if even if national team comrades, you should be treating it as if you hate each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think in certainly my day, I think it was. I think if you look at all the big games like Manchester United playing Arsenal, you know, it doesn't matter um, if you play for the same national team. It, it didn't care. They still kick lumps out of each other, and it was it felt as aggressive as it was in the stands. But did you ever have that where you'd like we're in the tunnel? reach out to an England teammate and they just like went the other way with no, it. No, 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 I wouldn't. I don't you think you'd reach out. Gerard think... sort of led by example on that. Yeah, I yeah, was, and I think afterwards, I yeah, you speak, you'd speak to them, fine, you know, that's no problem. But I think before the game, it's, it might be a hello, but as soon as you're, you know, in the tunnel, I think that's, that's game face, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, there's a, there's got to be a point there. Like the, the, the atmosphere pre-game as a fan, you go into the ground, you're having a few beers, it, you can taste it in the air. It's like when there's a thunderstorm in a sense, you can feel it on your tongue. And like, as a fan, I don't want to see you touching the opposition or being pally with the opposition at all. Like you need that division in the, in the, in the dressing room. You need that kind of, the bite, you need it. There's something tribal about football like, and 
a lot. I think if you're a fan of a different sport, you know, where you mix and things like that, and and which is lovely as well. Like you go for a pint at the rugby and you, you all sit together and you you give a little jape here and there, but you know... You're <laughs> That's all, how embarrassing it is. You're not calling all... each other wankers, yeah? <laughs> little jape here and there. No, but you know what I mean? But like there's something special about, about football. And I think we can say, you know, we can say like, yeah, it's Neanderthal or like it's Laddie or... But I think that's what makes football special is that you're that team... I can't go near you and you're this team. But I think, doesn't it run deep? I, 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 well, I suppose you can't get much deeper than describing it as Neanderthal. But <laughs> what I mean more is, I think it comes from a kind of like pride place as well. So derbies allow you to be super proud of your own place where you live or where you grew up mm, or your family. So true, yeah. And I think that's what, for me, makes derby games very, very special because it's almost like... Um, you're having to prove your place is the best against it, someone that is saying that it's really not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, <laughs> that's I mean, such a nice one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same. It's these Celtic Rangers, isn't it? It's, I mean, that's as deep as you can go, right? That's it's history, it's religion, and we say, oh, football's religion, but there it actually is, and it's something bigger than the match that's happening. So my dad told me this story that he, when he was in the, the Shetland Islands, he went to Celtic Rangers and he was, he was a Catholic, so he was supporting Celtic. And he went with lads that obviously he was English and they were like, don't say anything. Literally don't open your mouth. And then they were like, don't catch anything. And he was like, why don't catch anything? And they're like, well, they put, they put razor blades in potatoes and they throw them at you. So if you catch it, your hand gets messed up. And that was in the 80s, obviously when wow. football was crazy. But that's like... It's obviously far too far now, yeah. but that's where it was in the 80s, where the needle was even... Yeah, like, like that hooliganism stuff, you know, I, it, that's got to stay to the dark ages, you know? Like obviously, that's awful. But there's something about that kind of, like, passion and com commitment and love for your place and your team that is special in football. I think it's hard. Brought to you by Lexus. Some things do more than their stated functions because exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. With its exceptional capability, you'll see possibilities you never knew existed, sending you far outside your comfort zone. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. as well when you can't have that uh, derby rivalry because one team gets relegated um, that's that's always no one wants that you know I don't I don't think you, you want you don't that. necessarily want the other team to get promoted no, all the same you don't want them to do well but you don't want them relegated because that game is the, is the best game of the season and the mo I know you're all everyone's nervous about it and that energy and that sickness of maybe even losing it but you want that because of the, the when you do win it, how how good it is. There's some mad derby situations that happen in football. So there's that one, obviously, where you're kind of willing a team to maybe get promoted. Not many people admit that. Um, just so you can play them and have that derby day experience. The other one is when a derby team effectively improves your position by winning. So you see this with <laughs> top, top of the league and end of the season. It's often the case where begrudgingly a rival team has to beat the team that you're kind yeah, of yeah. against. I remember Liverpool-Blackburn, like Liverpool-Blackburn when United were at West Ham. Yeah. Remember that where, and 
you know, Blackburn just had to draw, didn't they? I think. I think it was Redknapp scored, and the the atmosphere in Anfield was like <laughs> they weren't sure if they wanted it. What do you do? Like, what do you do? Your team scored, but no one was really celebrating. Yeah. And even Redknapp was a bit embarrassed, and he just scored an absolute belter. <laughs> just a mad situation when you think about it that in any other situation the word be getting round and people start cheering and yeah that and equally if you're the other team and there's a chance that you winning can put your rival team ahead to win the league not against yourself like you could be in a different point in the league that's fucking weird as well because it's almost like you want to lose a game just so your derby team don't win the league mm, it's, it's a strange one of the weirdest ones for me was that lasagna lasagna vibe at um at Tottenham when they all got sick as between it was between Arsenal and Tottenham for the lot for the fourth position and um I've spoke to the lads I wasn't at Spurs at the time but I spoke to the lads like Robbie Keane, Jermaine Genus, Michael Carrick who all just said they couldn't they couldn't play because the team hotel was they think the lasagna's been spiked Mate, I I <laughs> I've actually met the chef have you yeah the chef that did the that lasagna Spurs chef What's his, what's his take on it? He's saying it wasn't his fault. <laughs> you surprised me. <laughs> I thought he was going to go, I fucked them. I, <laughs> I'm an Arsenal fan. I, I, I think if we agreed to shove a bag on his head, he'll come on. Uh, I think. He will. We'll, we'll, Does he want to remain like, I think you know when they put that dark like thing on him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We... When they dark, you know when they do like gangs of you know Mexico City yeah. and they're all standing around and they're all like dark yeah. and they have like a weird voice maybe you could shift them from the pub keep the bag on straight into a taxi off they go so there's all you know we hide that identity also the problem with him he's always in Chef White's whenever I see him with his name on his um, Chef White's so I, I actually know how this works well. because I did the, uh, one of the series of Masked Dancer didn't I oh, of course so I know how to get them in and out yeah. I saw it firsthand. So maybe we <laughs> utilize, utilize that for this podcast. Great. If he wants to come on, great. We'll put one of the, the masked dancer heads on him. And we just ask him very honestly and sincerely what happened that day, like his movements that day. Let's do his voice as well, because that's always good fun, isn't it? <laughs> I always give him fucking strange voices. Sometimes, and this is the one, we will move on back to Derby's in second. <laughs> the one that kills me, right? is when they go, we've disguised their face, right? <laughs> and we've got an accent to do their voice. Yeah. I kind of think, why the fuck are they there then? <laughs> yeah, what's the point? Uh, yeah, so good, yeah, we can't see him and yeah. we can't hear we him. We can't see him, we've got an why accent just to do their fucking voice. Zoom like, it? Do it over the phone. <laughs> <laughs> One of those cat filters on Zoom. <laughs> right, lads, enough of the lasagna. Let's get back to football. North London derby. So looking at the stats, Crouch, you scored nine goals against Arsenal, which was your favourite opponent in football. You also picked up more yellow cards against Arsenal than any other team. But you didn't score for Spurs against Arsenal. You didn't get booked for Spurs when you played <laughs> Arsenal. Was there just like a something about that game with the, in being a derby that changed how you played? Or was it just... No, I don't think so. I think it was... So, I wasn't at Spurs long. And I was there like two and a half years. So uh, there's a bit of the fact that they were... They were very good. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Were you running away? Uh, <laughs> Sounds to me what Dave's saying is there's no stats on you. You're saying I shit myself, basically. <laughs> Did I shit myself in that particular game? Yeah. I'd like to think no. Um, I think I was on the bench a little bit. Um, in all honesty, they're quite a haze for me. They were great games and incredibly passionate. And I've lived in North London, so I know what they mean. Um 
but I just didn't have because they, they haven't. I haven't had a personal real effect on them, so I don't remember them as much. Do you know what I mean? What about the three three? The last North London that derby you played one, in yeah. ninety minutes, three one down. How did you get back into the game? Do you know the previous mm-hmm. podcast? I think I said we won that game like three two because it felt like a win. So there was a 3-2 earlier on in the season. So oh, at, was. Which one did at you the Emirates, you won 3-2. So yeah, we did. We won the one at the Emirates 3-2. But that I remember clear as day because I always remember the, I was on the pitch. I was like back post and Eunice Cabal scoring a goal at the Emirates to win 3-2. That was, and it was a special way to win it. So that was amazing. And then it was a year before I arrived was the 4-4 with David Bentley. Um, scored from like, you know, near the halfway line. Um, they were great games. There was a there was a few moments there as a period where North London derbies were were the one, but a three two was the one in my time at Spurs. That was the one that sticks out for me. Was the the one in the Premier Under Twenty Youth Final, <laughs> <laughs> and also the one where Eunice Cabal scored and we we drew three three. Do you celebrate as a team? Derby games differently. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I remember like I, I've talked about like the Merseyside derby, and when I got to Liverpool, when I was playing for, um, you know, my first Everton game, and then my first United game, you just wanted to win so much. But um, when you win, like, do do you as a team go out? Do you celebrate? I mean, you don't go out and celebrate every win that mm. way. But cup finals, derby yeah, games, cup finals, derby same? games, I, I would class as the same as almost cup finals what's difficult is like you, it's not the end of the season no is it? that's you know, true you can't go too big time you might have, <laughs> might have to play them again um, and you know if you go too big you realise that's going to come back to haunt you maybe at some stage yeah um, but yeah you enjoyed them I don't want to rub it in with Luton fans obviously I'm people know I'm a Watford fan so with that it's Derby game and it's against Luton so we, so we beat Luton 4-0 which is massive right but then Luton are doing well in the league now. They've got the manager that we had beginning of the season. Uh, Rob Edwards doing doing really well. I played with Rob um, Edwards at Villa. Did you? Mm. Did you actually? Yeah, yeah. I was a young that. lad coming through. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I met him at the beginning of Good the lad. season. I met him at the Elton John concert at Vicarage Road. I was you get any more Watford than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's battered, right? Shin pads on. When I might as well have proper parched him. Yeah. Oh, I, you parched him? I parched him, unreal. Do you know what I did? So I'd met him before. I'd met him and his missus and he'd met my missus and a couple of my mates that were there. Really nice bloke. I went up and he was there with his missus, the number two, and I can't remember his name, I'm so sorry. Um, the lad who was his number two and his missus. So the four of them were there. So what I've done is I've gone to the bar to go get a, a drink and I've thought, do you know what? I'm going to buy the new Watford manager a pint, which was a horrendous idea, actually. So I've turned... Back, I've come back to where he sat because he's a couple of rows behind me. And I thought this would, in my drunk head, I was like, this would be a real moment. Gave him the pint like that. And he's like, no, nah, I'm not drinking, mate. It was like, basically didn't want the pint. So I sort of had to give it to the number two who I hadn't bought a pint for in the first <laughs> oh, place. Oh, no. So then he doesn't want to take it. Mate. And it it's was like... awkward for him because I think he might have felt a lack of respect for the fact that I didn't get him a pint. I didn't bother with the, the women that were with him as well. So it's yeah, a it's terrible when, experience. When parching around. goes wrong, isn't it? Yeah. It was a real it's a warning for those parches out there, that. Parching nightmares. <laughs> Sounds like a TV show, doesn't it? Like... <laughs> Crouchy, you, we, we spoke about the, the Merseyside derby. In your first derby, you scored in. But a player that was so good in those games, Steven Gerrard. Uh, only Ian Rush scored more goals in the Merseyside derby than Gerrard. Gerrard with 10. But also Man United-Liverpool. 
Salah's obviously broken the record now with 12, but Gerard with nine goals is pretty incredible. It's what was what was it about his character that meant him to be so dominant in these matches? I think it, I think big players come uh, uh, just arrive in big moments, don't they? And big moments are finals, mm. which is what he's achieved, um, regardless of whether it's a derby or not, and derbies, you know. So those big games, and there are times like I remember some tackles from Stevie, from Stephen Gerrard in those Merseyside derbies in the early days that were horrific. <laughs> you know, he got sent off a couple of times in those. So there's an edge to his game that. He's playing on the edge, and it's like there's a there's a if you play just under or if it bubbles over, it's a red card, and if it stays under, then you get the best performance that you could have in a derby. And it's I think it's those fine those fine moments that define you as as a player. And he'll say himself, I think there's times where it's spilt over, and there's times where you know it was the optimal level of pumped up. You get the impression he loves those games as well. Who doesn't? Right? It's what really. Don't fucking get some going. What was he like in the dressing room before a game? Was he a different Stephen Gerald or was he quite consistent? No, he was different. Like, yeah, him and I thought Jamie Carragher was the same. I think he was, because they're local and I think, you know, with Jamie having, you know, a connection to Everton when he was a kid as well and then coming full circle and being totally, you know, engulfed in, in what he's doing at Liverpool. I think um, it affects him more than anyone else, uh, win or lose. And um, you could see the nerves sort of leading up to it beforehand. Um, he was more nervous about, I think, you, you know, I think he'll openly tell you he was probably more nervous about the event game than he was any other game. Yeah. I remember absolutely hating Stephen Gerrard as a, as a Man United fan growing up. The amount of times that he come to Old Trafford and score, he was just that, that good. Danny Murphy was another one, you know. Yeah, you were. They just yeah. always used to score against United. Always mm. used to score. But what's the official term for Derby, though? Like, what is the classification of it? Liverpool Everton's in the same city. You know, you've got the Nottingham Derby where the grounds are like back onto each other. You know, but then you've got Portsmouth and Southampton, which are two different cities. That is, I think it's like 19 miles or something between them. You've got that one that's bound by a motorway, haven't you? Yeah, that's the M23, isn't it? The goes, M23 Derby. The, yeah. yeah, and I, that's a mad one. But I, I just think it's like something that derives from, like I played in games like for Portsmouth against Millwall. And I know that, you know, those games at that time were for some reasons felt felt mad. There was I remember got let, locked in the changing room at the den and then um, <laughs> ringing, ringing my dad and going like, Dad, are you all right? And he was like, no, I'm getting chased around Bermondsey. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's how rivalries start and that's how derbies start and that, things like that happening can lead into the game becoming bigger and historical events or a bit of trouble can end up being a derby and I don't think it has to be because you're from the same city. Like, Have you ever been the victim of uh, sort of derby... It is kind of Derby Housery, but did you ever feel that you had to vet who was coming into your house in terms of what football team they support? Just because from their point of view, if they're uh, sort of a rival team's fan, they're going to want to leave their mark in there, aren't they? Got to be careful, I think. Be wary of it, definitely. I'm not saying anyone be so unprofessional as to like gob in your food or something. <laughs> or cook a dodgy lasagna. It's a weird thing you've got to deal with as a footballer. But I think we should make this a safe space for anyone that has done this to Crouchy. And it could have been anywhere. It could have been you were working in a restaurant, you were working in a bar, you were, I don't know, you were a parking attendant. Uh, and you've realised it's Crouchy leaving his car and have gone straight for the ticket. Could be any of those things. Just know, and I know we've talked about informants on here, we're very good at keeping you anonymous, and we'd love to hear from you. 
because uh, it's better out than in, and we're yeah. uh, past it now, aren't you? Yeah, no, no, definitely. No, it's, it's it, listen. If there's anything that you, yeah, might have done to a player, um, for instance, or yes, yeah, so we widen it out to every player. Uh, yeah, and yeah. We'll just keep it. We can keep you anonymous, mm. all, all that kind of thing. And obviously, nothing too serious or, or anything, <laughs> but just a little lighthousery. I remember. I remember getting off. Obviously, this is the derby, but I remember being at Stoke. And um, I, I quite often used to get the train back from Stoke. Quite often I'd finish the game. If you're playing a London team, most of their fans would be on the train as well. Anyway, I walked down and I had to walk through them as the train was arriving. So I, I walked off, I'll be fine. I'm like eight foot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they literally just watched me play as well. <laughs> well I'll be, no one will see me. I walked down. Anyway, one of them took my hat off oh, no. and went, crouchy, like started lobbing the hat around. And I felt like, oh my God. Like I was a kid at school, so I getting bullied, right? They were throwing his hat around. Oh, I said, oh, come on, lads, give me my hat back. Anyway, got the hat back, and then one of them was going, oh, just FaceTime out for us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, mock off. <laughs> and then, uh, so he was having this to and fro, and I thought, oh, my God, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's good-natured. And it was, do you know what yeah. I mean? We had, a, we had a laugh, like, obviously, once I got my hat back, and, you know, the bullying stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Did they hold the hat ransom for a phone call with Abby Clancy? No, nah, they was like, one of the lads was like, FaceTime, and I was like, fuck off. FaceTime, I'll give you a hat. <laughs> no way. And in the end, I ended up getting on one of the carriages. We had a few beers. I think it could have gone like, if I'd have gone like, fuck off, you know, and got aggressive with it. I think because I embraced it and said, come on, like, we had a laugh. I don't know, the situation was diffused, but that, you know, could have gone another way, couldn't it? I think yeah. if I was a twat. It would have definitely gone a fucking <laughs> way. Imagine if you'd been sent off that game, though. Uh, that's and you're in a imagine. different mindset. Imagine. Imagine, you know, like, yeah. If I'd have done something in that particular game, I think I'd have, I'd have spent the weekend in Stoke. Can we, give, um, <laughs> can we give a little nod as well in derby matches to mascots who are there, really, for a, generally the family sort of crowd, aren't they? But derby games... When they changes. wind them up. People, yeah. So there's wind two, the crowd up. Yeah, I guess there's two things to it, which is it's hard for a mascot to fulfil their duty of looking after the kids because there are a lot of derby games. Kids stay at home, don't they? I mean, a lot of people don't take their kids to derby games. But my God, like when things are heightened and everything's really tense <laughs> for generally a smiling crocodile bird, <laughs> something like that, it's somehow still manages to not be able to take the sting out yeah, of. I don't know. It's people like people get angry. So bad. It's like when we, you know, right in the early days of the podcast, when we were across mascots doing the minute silence. Yeah. They just can't do it. You know, and they've got the, the big, I mean, there was the, there's the, the, the Twitter handle, isn't yeah. there? You know, mascots yeah. doing a minute silence. That's something we should revisit again. Yeah, totally. You know, <laughs> the, the mascot doing the minute silence, like with the big grin on his face and quite often like a big sun or a huge like giraffe or something, like yeah. putting his head down and bowing down to it. It's great. Great to see, isn't it? Uh, one of my mates is um, seriously considering becoming the mascot of Maidenhead in the in the <laughs> idea that he'll get a free ticket. Because, you know, it costs a bit. It's even National League is still cost a bit of money to get in. Um, but we haven't seen a mascot at Maidenhead. So I don't, it's the Magpies is their name. So I'm assuming there's a Magpie costume somewhere, which for some reason isn't being utilised. Or mm. can you get onto your costume people and get a Magpie That's design? I do, not a problem. And I'm well up for letting my mate do it. But I think what we should do is get my mate Nick mic'd up and get him to do the squawking as well. <laughs> making a noise while he's... 
Yeah, we'll just follow his we, journey. We'll, yeah. all, we'll have our periscopes out. We'll oh, have we'll him on, on comms. We'll be on the periscope in the bar yeah. watching that. <laughs> yeah. It's mad. But I just think with derby matches in particular, what mascots deal with, it's so heightened and it's so easy for them to wind things up that... I'm assuming mascots get a talking to before derby games as well to kind of like... It's like a deal, like you say, it's more, it's less of a family atmosphere, isn't it? It's more more aggressive. Mm. And like mm. watching a mascot who's got a big grin on his face <laughs> get aggressive. I'd, I'd absolutely quite... love the opportunity to do that United-Liverpool or United-City or United-Leeds uh. would be so much fun. <laughs> it's a good role, isn't it? Yeah, just an update on the swap shop. Uh, we've, we've been inundated with uh, requests mm. for Charlie Adams' boots. Uh, Joe says, hi, lads, I've got no fucking use for my chicken outfit I wore to Crouchfest. Uh, so I'd like to swap them for Charlie Adams' boots. I can confirm it's been washed, but there may be a dark fruit stain which won't come out. Let me know if you're all up for a swap. Um, there was plenty of chickens at Crouchfest. Um, a lot of them misbehaving yeah. from what I saw. I think keep hold of the outfit because, look, we're not announcing anything here, but, you know, we are exploring what we want to do with Crouch Fest again. And so the chicken outfit might get an, another run I think that gets a run out. I enjoyed seeing the chickens. Yeah, they were great, especially when it was a group of... If there was a few groups like this. It was a group of chickens and then one uh, referee with a ball cap on that was Mike Dean. There was a few of those groups. Was there, was a, there, there was an issue. There was a scuffle, wasn't there, at one stage? Yeah. And that referee came in and red-carded the... The, the, the man in question. It was brilliant. Um, he didn't respect it. He didn't respect it, no. Don't be that guy, though. Don't be the Carl. Don't be a Carl. But I'm thinking on this. Like, Do you remember what the rules of this are? So we've got Charlie Adams' boots that uh, he used for something we were recording for Crouchfest. Um, so there is used boots. We're happy to swap them for something of like equal value or slightly more. We're going to swap up. That's the aim of this. Keep swapping up. You know, Charlie Allen's boots, I think, listen, there's, there's, Joe, I can't give you the boots because I think the chicken outfit will come in handy. Keep on to that because Crouch Fest 3 is in motion. But um, if you have um, anything to swap with us, we'd love to hear from you. It's that petercrouchpodcast.com. Get in touch. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily need to just be money value of boots. It could be something that's just quite cool or a little bit different that ultimately we'll be able to swap for something else along the way. Um, so if you want to get in touch, as Crouchy said, send us your voice notes as well. You can do that on uh, the email, peter.crouch.acast.com or just slide into our DMs. Yeah, I've got loads more questions here from listeners and I, you know, I do love these. They come in thick and fast. George sends one in. Uh, I was working on a bar and a customer asked for a mixture of Diet Coke and orange juice. It got me wondering, if you had to make a low combo out of soft drinks, what would you choose? Oh, no, we're not doing this, are we? That's, just, that's a good shout though. For the non-alcohol drinker. Don't you just do low zero? <laughs> Isn't that how everyone seems to get away with it now? I mean, like, I just see stuff everywhere with drinks brands now. Zero. It seems to be, if you want zero percent, that's been the latest trend. Trend, <laughs> let's just put it. Yeah. yeah. Lout zero, I like. But didn't we have, like, um, did, someone suggested a lout with zero alcohol being called, like, a nout or something. <laughs> oh, like, that is good. Now. <laughs> You said you got a loud and out. Unreal. It's <laughs> nice, 10 out of 10. Let's focus on the low, I think, though. Try and get that back on shelves. Yeah, and yeah. Ideally, I don't know what we need to... I don't know if it's a case we need to get on Dragon's Den or something like that. It just feels like we need... People love the low and we made that and it, and it, it, was, it was so such much, a good drink and like, like so many messages from people oh, going where can I buy the load and bring this... it back it's like I just don't understand it's like there's a lot of Carl's involved in this situation yeah the, well that's stopping this, us having fun mm. let's be very honest about this there are 
a few Carls that got involved. I think that's because everyone knows it will just be the greatest drink in the world. Yeah. And sadly, that has attracted sort of Carl, a lot of people Carl off. Absolute Carls all over it. Mm. Um, but, you know, we've been in this situation before and they, it can be unblocked yeah. um, with some diplomacy. Yeah, yeah, we'll listen. We'll, we'll, we'll work as ever really hard behind the scenes, you know, and hopefully we'll bring the car, you know, the louts and the nouts yeah. back. We, we just want it, we just want it out so everyone can drink and enjoy it. There was a lad who got engaged recently, I saw on Twitter, and you, you sent your congratulations to him. First drink he had uh, was the Lau. Yeah. It was such Fantastic. a lovely touching. Really, really touching. Should we move on to another question message from Blake? What was the biggest fine you ever got as a player? Yeah, when I was at Stoke, there was an issue with, um, sort of people being late and the fines really ramped up so you didn't want it at all it got to like you know 500 quid if you didn't have your flip-flops in the shower you know a, a, th- a thousand a thousand quid you know if you're if you're leaving like some kit around hold and, on were you fined for wearing flip-flops in the shower or fine no for not for wearing, not them? wearing. See, it feels to me you should be fine for wearing them that's fucking weird no well like if you it's supposed to be like more hygienic if you don't you know, have your verrucas all around the shower. Do you wear flip-flops in the shower? No, not, not normally, no. <laughs> not normally, but at a football... You've been having a go at me about shin pads for the last few years. <laughs> in football in general, yeah, it was like you had to wear flip-flops in the shower. I was talking to a guy who's big in shin pads and um, he was telling me that the best way to clean shin pads is wearing them in the shower. And that's what most footballers do. Did you ever see that? No. No, so he's lying. Yeah, I think at Sunday League level, maybe, but no, you don't. Listen, if you're a Premier League player, don't clean your own shin pads. <laughs> yeah, because I kind of blow got them. With the boots. So blow them, Chris. Poor all right. youth uh, player having to scrub shin pads. Uh, in all honesty, I don't think I ever wash my shin pads. I've got a message here from Mike, uh, Chris. This is uh, to you, actually. I keep getting adverts for shin pads, which are eight by five centimetres. Is this what professional footballers wear, Crouchy? And is this too little protection for you, Chris? Well, I don't know. You're the professional. I just think that um, it's like anything. Why not fully protect yourself? You're never going to go ultra thin. Ultra, ultra thin on the... Like, it depends if you're you gonna... in it for enjoyment or well, protection. Is... <laughs> This is exactly this is, this is exactly my point. Hopefully there's a happy medium in there somewhere. There needs to be, but at some point, for me, boys. At some point you're asking for trouble. Are you saying go thick and yeah. protect at all I'm, times? I'm just but are you taking like, away from your pleasure? Mate, I'd from, go uh, double uh, shin pads. <laughs> I've got two kids now. I can't I can't deal with a third. I know, but listen, yeah, I've got four now. I should have yeah. put pads on years double ago. Pads, <laughs> so there you go, Mike. Each their own, but oh, yeah. I personally each their own, bit, might, bit but, you more know. robust if possible, <laughs> or robust maybe, <laughs> whatever protects. Right, that's been a good one today, boys. I actually really, really enjoyed that because I'm a huge, I'm a big. Obviously, we know that I'm a big football fan. I'm, you know, we're all big football fans here. So, getting across the biggest games in in football, the derbies, and like my experience of playing in them is just, you know, it's a great experience. And I'm sure you boys feel the same going to those games. It's bigger than just a game. I think we need to go to River Plate Boca Juniors. I think we should make an effort to do that. So anyone that wants to get in touch, reach out, take us over to Argentina for the Super El Clasico. And you guys have got a good excuse as well, haven't you? I'm just going to the football with work. Yeah. (laughs) And also, let us know about your experience at Derby. So whether that's football or whether you work for a company that is in kind of competition with another (laughs) one and like how it plays out. The The Apple Microsoft Derby. Yeah, does some of the stuff Crouchy's talked about today resonate with your line of work or 
your uh, relationship or, or, or like anything, that, really. Like the prison derby, like the screws v inmates. Yeah. Like that kind of game. Like there must that's be people playing one. in that one. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a grudge match. See, that's one I'd like to really get along to. But yeah, it can happen as well. I think sometimes your best mate is sort of a derby, isn't it? It's kind of like similar people, similar aims, that kind of thing. Mm, like brothers. Sometimes get a bit vicious. I brothers. don't know. Anything Crouchy says resonates, get in touch. Peter.crouch at acast.com. Chumbawamba, boys. Yeah, Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Brought to you by Lexus. Some things do more than their stated functions because exceptional things inspire you to do exceptional things. To this select list, we add the all-new Lexus GX. With its exceptional capability, you'll see possibilities you never knew existed, sending you far outside your comfort zone. But as much as the GX challenges you, it also spoils you. Its intuitive technology and luxurious features mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to it. The all-new Lexus GX. This episode is brought to you by a load of pricks.net. We are the experts in selling houses. Chris couldn't sell his house. What did you do, Chris? I couldn't sell my house for love nor money, Crouchy. Three different offers I had, all at the last minute, fell through. I turned around to my wife and said, what can we do to sell this house? Every estate agent is failing us. Then I told her, let's go to a load of pricks.net. But Chris, what did a load of pricks do for you? They were brilliant, Crouchy. They sold my house right away. The sign had barely gone up when a well-dressed gentleman came along and offered me twice the asking price. Chris, would you use a load of pricks again? I'd use them every time, Crouchy. Go to a load of pricks.net. They will sell your house like no other. Load of pricks, load of pricks.net.